outstanding ovation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. Welcome to the show that brings you all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. It is now time to go beyond the bell. So here I am with my thoughts of you. And this world I've left for me. Stoic faces when I think of you. How I once believed So now you call me But you know I won't let you through I've myself to deceive Greetings, old school fans. Welcome back to the Pro Wrestling Nostalgia Show, known as Beyond the Bell, which is powered by the SNS Radio Network. I'm your jolly host, ring announcer, Sean Beckerman, back with you once again to bring you all things retro in wrestling. The holiday season is upon us. Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Merry Christmas. Everyone at the SNS Radio Network and Beyond the Bell wishes you a happy and safe and healthy holiday season. Tonight's edition of BTB was supposed to be released in time for Thanksgiving a month ago, but due to some scheduling conflicts and some delays in production and editing, we had to push it back till December this month here at Beyond the Bell. But either way you look at it, it fits both months as the holidays are upon us. And whether we're talking Thanksgiving... Or we're talking about Hanukkah, Christmas, and the December holidays. We talk about family. We get together with family. Whether uh, reluctantly or not, we celebrate these special times with our loved ones. So it is so fitting to discuss the greatest families in professional wrestling here at Beyond the Bell. Tonight, we will discuss the families that paved the way for the professional wrestling industry and the families that made the most influential and monumental achievements and milestones in sports entertainment. We'll look at the generations in each specific family and the impact they made in different eras of sports entertainment. So grab some eggnog, sit back, relax, and go back in time and relive the greatest families in professional wrestling here at Beyond the Bell. Professional wrestling is most likely a family affair. I was introduced to sports entertainment slash professional wrestling by my father, like so many other fans. While we had baseball and football, basketball, we had season tickets to the New York Knicks. We went to all New York Mets games, uh, a big-time Jets fan. We went to tons of sporting events, but none more so than professional wrestling. At that time, though, in the early 80s, wrestling wasn't as mainstream But it still was ours to share. But this does not just apply to fans. A good portion of professional wrestlers come from an impressive family tree of former wrestlers. Wrestling is a family business. No doubt about it. It has always been. 
from the secret keeping carnival acts to the family run territories to the current incarnation of the WWE. It is also a family tradition. I consider it a tradition with my father. Most wrestlers' kids end up being wrestlers themselves or involved in wrestling in some other capacity, whether being managers, referees, or administration creative behind the scenes. Right now, we have several second- and third-generation superstars in the WWE. Just to name a few, Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, Alberto Del Rio, David Hart Smith, The Usos, Tamina, Chavo Guerrero, and many, many others. That's just to name a few right off the bat. Looking at the WWE today, there's relatives of the Hearts, the Wild Samoans, Erwin R. Scheister, yes, you heard it, Mr. Perfect, Jimmy, Superfly Snuka, and they're all battling it out, wanting to be superstars just like their parents. With so many family members competing in the ring, it seemed like a perfect time, especially it's the holiday season, to look at some of the greatest professional wrestling families of all time. Again, we're not including all, but we're looking at some of the most famous and uh, retrospective families. These are the families that made professional wrestling so lovable and enjoyable to watch. So when just looking at these families in particular, we could look back at some intriguing and astronomical statistics in relation to family members. There's over three dozen brothers. This is excluding the kayfabe relationships that you see for tag teams or fake brothers, a.k.a. the major brothers, uh, in professional wrestling. Over three dozen brothers have wrestled together as a tag team. Among them, they've won the NWA tag team titles, WCW tag team titles, and of course, WWF slash WWE tag team championships. Brothers have also squared off against each other in singles competition. Most notably, of course, Bret the Hitman Hart wrestling his brother Owen in a steel cage match for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship at SummerSlam in 1994. Over 250 children have followed in their father's footsteps with many competing in the same promotions. Fathers and sons have sometimes teamed together in tag team matches since the 1950s and on occasion have wrestled each other in singles competition. WWE has seen the most familial connections as we're almost going over a hundred connections in the WWE. From brother pairs, father-children combinations, grandfather-grandchildren combos, uncle-nephew pairings, cousins, husband-wife combos, brother-in-law, father and son-in-law, you name it, the WWE has done it. So with all that, let's look back now at the greatest families in professional wrestling, and let's start it off with arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest wrestling family ever to be produced, the Guerrero family. You like my rolling of the R's there? The Guerreros are wrestling. From Mexico to Japan to the entire world. That would be a good way to describe the Guerreros. Goria Guerrero was the premier Hispanic wrestler in the early days of Lucha Libre when most wrestlers were imported from outside of Mexico. He is credited with the invention of the camel clutch, 
the gory special and the back-to-back stretch that hold that has been modified into countless other moves, all produced by Gory. He married Herlinda Lannis, whose three brothers were also professional wrestlers. They had four sons and two daughters. All sons became professional wrestlers. Chavo Guerrero Sr. was their second child and first son. He debuted in 1974 and was active for 30 years. He retired in 2004. He's best known for his time in the AWA and then later on in the WWE. He enjoyed a successful career winning multiple singles and tag team championships. As a homage to his father, he also used the Gory Special as his finisher. Gory's second son, Mondo, also made his debut in 1974. He was less successful than his older brother, but he had a fair amount of it in the NWA, winning multiple tag team and individual championships in the Hollywood and Mid-Pacific regions. Hector Guerrero debuted three years after his older brothers, in 77. As of that lineage or tier in the family tree, he is the only one who is still actively involved in the business as part of the Spanish announce team for TNA Impact Wrestling. Most notably, he wrestled briefly for the WWE as the Gobbly Gooker, one of the worst gimmicks ever. He spent most of his career working for the AWA and the NWA with moderate success. My own personal experience with Hector was watching him on Monday Nitro. I was like, who is this Guerrero? How many Guerreros are there? This is before I had my in-depth knowledge of the Guerrero family. The youngest of the Guerrero brothers is also the most well-known. His name was Eddie Guerrero. He started wrestling for small promotions in Mexico and Japan before going into ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling. From there, he went on to the WCW and eventually to the WWE. Out of all brothers, he had the most success, winning at least one championship, either tag team or singles, in every single promotion he worked for. He passed away in 2005. We all miss you, Eddie, and to this very day, we pay homage to to the man that lied, cheated, and stole our hearts every single night he wrestled. We miss you, Eddie. Gory's grandson and Chavo's son, Chavo Guerrero Jr., is an active competitor still in professional wrestling. He left the WWE a couple years ago and now is a part of TNA Impact Wrestling. It should be noted also, though, that Eddie's widow, Vicky, is still in professional wrestling, and of course we know her right now in this current role as of episode 76 of Beyond the Bell as the managing supervisor of Monday Night Raw. Vicky Guerrero is one of the most hated heels in the business. She learned something from Eddie. And most notably, Vicky's daughter, Shaw, debuted at FCW just a year ago. The Guerrero family, they are professional wrestling. Viva la raza. He's Eddie. He's Chavo. De los Guerreros. Viva la raza. They lie, cheat, and steal. This is a beautiful neighborhood, as they mourn. It looks familiar. Hey, didn't we steal a car around here one night? Something like that. Watch it, Jesse. 
Excuse me, ma'am. Watch it. You this look house. very, very familiar to me. Are, are you on TV? Yes, you're Lee Pamela. That's oh. where we know her That's from. Right. That show. That's she's right. right. Man, she's on that show with all the mamacitas oh. running on the beach. Oh. Is it? Baywatch. That's right, bro. Your hair is so oh, beautiful. It shines. shines. Yes. Oh, look, a little baby. We don't know what to do. Emily. 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 And you know what that means in Spanish? Yeah, that means light of God. That's right, it does. Oh, yeah. I'm going to let you go now, okay? We're going to see you again really, really soon. Make sure you keep that baby warm now. That's the ugliest baby I have ever seen. Bro, you're not kidding, man. That baby could steal the shine right off my ribs. Yeah. Hey, what time is it? Oh, wait a minute. Left for me. Oh, it's about quarter till three. Hey, is that a Rolex, bro? I don't know. Man. <laughs> yeah, I said, what are you gonna do with that? Hey, man, you took everything else. I had to take something. Well, we could use it for some coffee. Hey, milk does a body good, bro. We are discussing this family in depth in our milestone series, the history of WCCW World Class Championship Wrestling. The Von Erich family. They are one of the most well-known wrestling families and one of the most successful. Unfortunately, their success and triumph has always been undermined by tragedy and death. The Von Erich family was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in the class of 2009. Von Erich is not actually the birth name of the family, as we discussed in a previous edition. Atkinson is their real name. However, every member of the family that went into the wrestling business used the ring name Von Erich after Fritz, the family patriarch. Fritz was originally trained by Stu Hart and wrestled in the NWA promotions, and most notably in his own company, World Class Championship Wrestling. In the 1960s, he held the AWA World Heavyweight title. Fritz could never win the big one of the NWA World title, but he maintained his presence in the promotion by holding many other major titles. In the 1970s, Fritz was the NWA president as well as the president of WCCW, which was an incredible feat at the time. Fritz also played a major role in the rebuilding of Japanese wrestling. The Iron Claw was his finisher and he made so, so famous. Fritz's greatest achievement, however, is most likely the fact that he started the Von Erichs, the greatest wrestling family arguably ever in professional wrestling history. He is the father to all five Von Erich sons and is the grandfather of six. He passed away in 1997 at the age of 68. Unfortunately, the Von Erichs went through a nine-year stretch where they suffered death and tragedy. The Von Erichs were so popular in Texas and it scattered throughout the country. Kevin Von Erich... He was born in 1957, and he was the second oldest son, given the nickname the Golden Warrior. Kevin became known for his barefoot wrestling and for his excellent execution of the body scissors and the iron claw. Kevin retired in 1995, but still makes occasional wrestling appearances, but he never actually wrestles. He is the sole survivor of the sons of Fritz von Erich. You can see... Kevin occasionally on WWE television as they look back at the history of WCCW as he co-hosts with Michael Hayes on Classics on Demand. He also represented the Von Erich family at WrestleMania 25 
as he inducted them into the WWE Hall of Fame. David Von Erich is the third son of Fritz Von Erich and was born in 1958. He was the wrestling nickname of the Yellow Rose of Texas. He mainly wrestled for WCCW and he competed against Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, but he never won. Unfortunately, he suffered the same fate as other Von Erichs as he passed away as well. And then there was Kerry Von Erich, the fourth son of Fritz, born in 1960, known as the modern-day warrior, and later on as the Texas Tornado. Kerry is deemed by many as the best-known Von Erich. He spent most of his wrestling career in WCCW. He had many major feuds. He became the NWA World Heavyweight Champion after defeating Ric Flair at David Von Erich's Memorial Parade of Champions. However, he lost the title to Flair three weeks later. Of course, Kerry competed in the WWF for a short period, winning the Intercontinental Championship. This was at SummerSlam of 1990. Kerry was involved in a motorcycle accident that nearly ended his life in 1986. Despite surviving, Kerry was in bad shape, suffering from a dislocated hip and injured right leg. Eventually, this led to his foot being amputated. Amazingly, Kerry continued to wrestle with a prosthetic and, until his death, kept the amputation a secret by even sharing with his boots on. Kerry was an interesting character. Kerry committed suicide in 1993. Mike Von Erich was born in 1964 and was the fifth Von Erich's son. Mike replaced David in the feud between the Von Erichs and the fabulous Freebirds. Mike was quoted as saying he, that he never wished to be a full-time wrestler in the ring, but he, but he basically preferred to work behind the scenes as a cameraman, although after David's death, Fritz forced him into the squared circle. In 1985, Mike suffered a shoulder injury, and was forced to have surgery. It was discovered later that he suffered from toxic shock syndrome, which was a rarity in men. Mike was forced back into the ring to compete, but then eventually retired due to his lackluster performances and weakened appearance. And then, unfortunately, in 1987, he passed away as well. Chris Von Erich was born in 1969. He was the youngest, shortest, and least athletic of all the Von Erich family. His immense love of wrestling led him to try and succeed in the squared circle, despite numerous injuries. His most successful feud was with Percy Pringle in the USWA World Class. But his career didn't take off like the rest of the family. Chris became frustrated and depressed, and his inability to make it to the big time. And unfortunately in 1991, just like his brothers, he passed away as well via suicide. The third generation of Von Erichs are in the process of forming. Lacey Von Erich is in the wrestling business, as she was, she was a part of TNA Impact Wrestling, and now can be seen on the independent circuit. Ross Von Erich, Kevin's son, is contemplating entering the squared circle. Between the five brothers, Fritz, his grandchildren, Waldo, and Lance, non-related family members, the Von Erichs have been one of the greatest wrestling families of all time, with the future sure to have many more Von Erichs holding championships. It is an undisputable fact that the Von Erichs have contributed a mammoth amount to the wrestling world. Through their great ability to wrestle and through the unfortunate circumstances surrounding their deaths, 
they have fully deserved their induction into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2009. The blood relatives of the Von Erich family combined have won 144 professional wrestling championships. A truly unbelievable feat. The Hart family. We now go north to Canada for another great wrestling family. The Hearts. Stu Hart was an amateur wrestler and professional on top of it. Stu Hart was an amateur and professional wrestler, but he enjoyed more success as a promoter and especially as a trainer. He founded the now defunct Stampede Wrestling promotion and ran it from its foundation in 1948 until 1984. Just flipped them around. He also trained guys in his own house. Some of the guys he trained went on to have very successful careers in various promotions, including ECW, WCW, and the WWE. He had 12 kids with his wife, Martha. All of those kids have been involved in wrestling in one way or another. The first kid, Smith, was a professional wrestler. He wrestled mainly for his father's company, where he also did behind-the-scenes work, and for the World Wrestling Council, a Puerto Rican promotion. The second son, Bruce, also spent most of his career in his father's promotion, where he had a fair amount of success. He has also made several appearances in the WWE. The third son, Keith, spent most of his career in his father's promotion as well, but he had also had some success in tag team wrestling and other promotions. The fourth son, Wayne, wasn't a professional wrestler. He decided to enter the business in another aspect, as a referee. The fifth son, Dean, started in his father's promotion, but also wrestled for Peter Maivia's Hawaii-based promotion. He was the first of the Hart family to suffer an early death as he was diagnosed with Bright's disease in the late 1980s and died just as the decade finished in 1990. After five sons, the Harts had their first daughter, Ellie, who would end up marrying professional wrestler Jim the Anvil Nightheart. They had another daughter, Georgia, after that, and she also ended up marrying a professional wrestler, B.J. Anus. Their eighth kid is probably the best known. You may have heard of him, Brett the Hitman Hart. He started in Stampede before going to the WWE and then to WCW, having great success in every promotion. Their ninth kid was also a girl that they named Allison, who also married a professional wrestler, Ben Basarab. Ross was the 10th, and he, much like Dean, wasn't a professional wrestler. He, too, decided to tackle another aspect of the business, promoting. They had yet another daughter, Diana, who married a wrestler, the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith. Even though the marriage between them failed, they still were a product of the wrestling family. Their last child, Owen, also enjoyed great success as a pro wrestler in both Stampede and the WWE. He was the second heart to die prematurely due to internal bleeding after a failed stunt at a WWE event. The third generation of this family is currently active thanks to Natty Nightheart, David Hart Smith, Teddy Hart, and the last trained wrestler out of the dungeon, Tyson Kidd. The Hart family goes on with this third generation of superstars. But you cannot deny, when you look at the entire Hart family, of course, there's tragedy with any large wrestling family that you see. We just talked about the Von Erichs. 
but the Hart family produced wrestling stars at every level from referees to WWE champions to superstars that we lost way too soon. The Hart family, one of the greatest families ever to be placed inside the squared circle. Stu Hart inducted into the Hall of Fame, well-deserved. Brett Van Hart inducted on top of it. And I would love to see, as many fans also would agree, Owen Hart to take his rightful place in the WWE Hall of Fame. You cannot deny the Hearts made such an impact on this business and will forever remember the Hart family for being the pinnacle of professional wrestling. Owen Hart, the youngest of the 12 children of Stu and Helen Hart. My mom and dad adored him. He was the baby, you know, and uh, they had the lo- you know, kept his hair long when he was little and had the blue eyes and blonde hair. It really kept my mom and dad young. You know, they, they were so thrilled with him when he was when he was born. They encouraged him to be a little rascal. They wanted him to be a saucy little blue-eyed blonde. And they indulged him. And, that, and I think that's where his sense of humor came from. I had a lot to do with Owen. He was in a lot of ways like my own son because when he was growing up, he was the youngest and my dad was tied up with the wrestling business. I kind of used to take Owen on the road trips and uh, I was always kind of an inveterate practical joker river myself so we were always you know pulling ribs he loved to constantly rib me give me wake up calls in the morning you know if we were together you know I'd just be just get ready to fall asleep you know and say hey bulldog what do I want to say you know can you bark like a dog and he would not let me go to sleep until you know I did this big like howl like oh Owen was one of a kind, and his sense of humor and his wrestling ability were uh, hard to beat. He had idolized Dynamite and those guys when he was kind of a just teenager. He kind of patterned himself off them, and he had an incredible passion for the wrestling business. When Owen did start to come in, all the brothers were just a little bit jealous because he was, you can see, he was a real shining star, you know. He has a heck of a reputation. He's very agile, he's very quick, he's strong, he's smart, he knows what he's doing in that ring. Owen was more dynamic. He had more uh, more different styles. I mean, Owen could do a backflip from the top rope, and he could do all these different things. He had, you know, a little bit of the same precision as Brett and the same technique. Then he'd also do this high flying, and just doing stuff I'd never seen before kind of blew me away at the time. Perfect combination of speed, agility, and power. Owen was like the most lovable guy. Everyone loved him and he was a great wrestler and been a great wrestler and was respected by the fans and he was respected by the wrestlers. Everybody's favorite. Everybody's favorite heart was Owen. The DiBiase's. Perhaps the most well-known DiBiase was the Million Dollar Man. In reality, Ted DiBiase was adopted by wrestler Iron Mike DiBiase. His biological parents were Helen Hild and Ted Willis. While his dad never strapped on a pair of boots, his mother did. All three of Ted's sons are in the business, but most well-known is Ted Jr., who's currently in the WWE. Who could forget about the Million Dollar Man? Ted DiBiase set the standard for being a heel professional wrestler. Everybody has a price. And now, that price carries on to his sons. 
and I think the DiBiase name will live forever in professional wrestling. The Ortons. Randy Orton is one of the most popular superstars in the WWE. After all, he's a six-time WWE champion. He's also a third-generation wrestler. His grandfather, Bob Orton Sr., and his dad, Cowboy Bob Orton, were wrestlers back in the early part of the industry. Even Orton's uncle, Barry O, competed inside the squared circle. Because of this lineage, Orton was a part of the legacy, with two other sons of former wrestlers, Ted DiBiase Jr. and Cody Rhodes. It seems as if you go through the annals of professional wrestling, and the Orton name has been tied with some of the most monumental moments in this industry. From the first ever WrestleMania, Bob Orton Jr., Cowboy Bob Orton, being a part of the main event at WrestleMania. Who could forget about the cast, that arm cast that Cowboy Bob Orton wore each and every day to the ring? His trademark cast, used to win many matches for Roddy Piper and company. His father, Bob Orton Sr., set a standard for professional wrestling in the early days of the industry. But originally, Randy Orton, the third-generation star, was not set to become a professional wrestler. Originally wanted to go into the Marines, Orton, or should we say, Baby Orton, had a different path than his father and grandfather. But, ultimately, his destiny found his way to the WWE, becoming the Viper, the Apex Predator, and arguably the most popular of the Orton clan. Randy Orton will set the stage for years to come in professional wrestling, and you could say he's the most decorated star of the Orton family. But you cannot deny the talent of the Ortons. And it seems as if each and every generation, they develop a more genetically superior superstar. From senior to junior, and now to Randy, the apex predator is the new evolution of the Ortons. 250 pounds out of St. Louis, Missouri, Randy Orton! Coming from a wrestling family can really help you if you take advantage of it. Randy Orton having his grandfather in the business, his father in the business, his uncle in the business, really, really benefited Randy in opening the door. Randy Orton, who's now attending the OVW Training Center, big things in the future. He's a third generation superstar in this business. Son of the legendary cowboy Bob Orton Jr. Grandson of Bob Orton Sr. I'll tell you what, this kid's got in his blood. It was great, you know. A lot of guys, you know, it took them years, 10 years even, just to get to that point where I got just, you know, through his phone call. So I was very fortunate, very lucky. And to say the least, I didn't have that many friends when I first broke in because of that. I can honestly say this with conviction because I've seen Randy's development since 2000 when I was just a twinkle in everybody's eye. <laughs> The very first time I saw Randy in the ring, it just looked like he belonged there. He was so smooth, it's like he was, was born to do it. You ask him how he can do it, he has no clue. And he'll tell you, I can just do this. Some people have natural talent. He could just do this from day one. And I think that's growing up, watching your grandfather, watching your father, watching wrestling your whole life. You have a concept for it. To take somebody who's never been around wrestling and try and teach it to them, some get it, some don't, but most don't. You can get by with them, but they don't become tremendous performers. Randy's a tremendous performer. Effective immediately. 
Randy Orton will be starting a full-time schedule on the road with the World Wrestling Federation. I saw that from my physique, my appearance, you know, how I carried myself. And if I hadn't grown up in a wrestling family, I probably wouldn't be here right now, to be honest with you, because it's, it's a very demanding business and even, even more demanding to get into. Excuse me, uh, who the hell are you interrupting me? Ah, uh, that's right. You're, uh, you're Randy Orton. Being a third-generation competitor in this sport definitely has opened up a lot of doors. Uh, the pressure's there. His old man was a hell of a wrestler, Cowboy Bob Orton. His grandfather was a hell of a wrestler. Tonight, you've got your, your opportunity. Good luck, kid. Well, this is Randy Orton's debut. I'm gonna wish the kid luck. Oh, over, oh, I'm over. He's got him. Oh. What an upset! Oh, what a tryout for Randy Orton! It is certainly a privilege for me to introduce this next young superstar. I knew his granddaddy, Bob Orton Sr. I know his father, Bob Orton Jr. Please welcome the newest member to Raw, 22-year-old Randy Orton. All right, Randy Orton, this kid is sensational. We've heard a lot of great things about Randy Orton. Get that superstar written all over him, among other things. He's got a hell of a look. He's got a good body, good-looking kid. Look at him, he's sharp. Looks like he's chiseled out of stone. Boy, you talking about a blue chipper. A young man that's got a magnificent future. He was bred to be a WWE superstar. He's got his whole life ahead of him. It's going to be so much fun watching him here on Raw develop. Oh, don't suck up to him too bad, JR. We know he's great. He's going to be good. Randy definitely has some big footsteps to try to fill, and I think Randy's done a great job. Randy's got a lot of natural instinct. Uh, he's got a lot of natural ability. You just get so much stuff handed down through his grandfather and his dad and his, his uncle, and those are the real true positives. The, the negative aspect for somebody like Randy is that now you got three people that you got to make proud as opposed to just a father. The business is in his blood. Third generation superstar. The man has every gift that a man can be given. Randy Orton is the coal that will be squeezed into the next diamond. The pressure is definitely there. When I first started, I felt it more so than now, you know, because I've kind of come into my own now. I've always been known as the lady killer, but I think, I think the name that I've made for myself now is the legend killer. Randy Orton, legend killer. If you look at the real superstars in our business, the ones that really drive the business for an extended period of time, other than The Rock, I can't think of one of them that's been in the business for less than 10 or 12 years. It takes a long, long time. And it's so easy for us to sit back and criticize or be critical of a guy like a Randy Orton without remembering that for the most part, he's a rookie. Third generation superstar, the youngest world heavyweight champion in history. In a wrestling timeline, he's just still a little wet behind the ears. And if you look at it from that point of view and think, wow, you know, where was Steve Austin when Steve Austin had only been in the business for four years? I guarantee you, he wasn't the rattlesnake. But when you look at where Randy Orton is now and the level at which he's, you know, required to perform and, and what he's delivering, only being four years in, if I was Randy Orton, I'd be really excited about my future. If 
I had to summarize the Orton family legacy in sports and entertainment, I'd say that we are a force to be reckoned with. I think we're right in the middle of the mix. You know, just as good as any of them, and uh, probably better than some. Each and every one of us that have stepped foot in that ring have made a name for ourselves. Not only being an Orton, but whether it was Big Bob. Either he's going to beat me with it, especially, or I'm going to beat him and put him out of commission. Cowboy Bob. You obviously feel you're a great wrestler. There's a lot of good ones out there, but you're looking at a great one now. My Uncle Barry Barry O or the legend killer Randy Orton. You can't beat Randy Orton, legend killer. People know who we are because we go out there with this nasty and, and, and aggressiveness, yet, you know, a cocky and arrogant side that just it draws people to us. Hell, I'm Bob Orton. I'm a wrestler. I'm a hook-shoot specialist. Don't mess with me, man. They beat up on me when I was a kid, but not now, daddy. I'll stick your arm up you know where, and you'll, you won't like it. If I had to pick, uh, you know, one wrestling family, you know, to be like the top, you know, the premier wrestling family in this business, without a shadow of a doubt, uh, the Orton family would take the cake. I'm telling you right now, because if you look at our history, if you look at just the, the accomplishments that I've made, that's more than whole families, generations have done in a lifetime. And, and, and that's the truth. You can look in the history books. And when you do, you'll see that the Orton name is a name that you will not forget. And you will keep watching for years and years. If I could just see, I can see, fourth generation wrestler, Orton, carrying on the legacy, it's going to happen, it's bound to happen. I'm a guy, come on, I'm going to reproduce. The Vachons. Maurice Mad Dog and Paul Butcher were the originals. Later, Maurice's daughter, Diane, Vivian, and Paul's daughter, Angel, which is known as Luna, they became wrestlers on top of it. It is understandable if you put five, because Midwest legend Stan Pulaski wrestled from time to time as a tag partner and brother to Butcher. His name, of course, was Stan Vachon. You cannot deny the impact that the Vachon family made in professional wrestling. Mad Dog inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, and who could forget arguably the most popular Vachon due to her presence at the hottest time in wrestling, Luna. That raspy voice being paired with Bam Bam Bigelow, the artist formerly known as Goldust, the oddities. You can go on and on. Luna made an impact in women's wrestling and in the industry in general and let the respectability and the standard of the Vachon family into the next millennium in professional wrestling. Luna will be missed, but we will never ever forget the impact she made in professional wrestling. And who forgive, Who can actually forget about the Mad Dog Vachon? Like he said in the induction speech in the WWE Hall of Fame he had a couple years ago, I'm a mad dog, mad dog Vashon. They call me mad dog because I wrestle like a mad dog. I know, bad, bad impression of mad dog Vashon, but you cannot deny the impact he made in professional wrestling. And even though they're, I think they're one of the more underrated families in wrestling because they're not the most glamorous, not the most popular, not the most well-known or famous, but they made an impact in professional wrestling. We discussed at the top of our program the Anoa slash Maya Via family. The Samoan heritage carries in professional wrestling to this very day. All the way from Samoa, we have one of the greatest wrestling family trees ever. You cannot deny that. This family has given us multiple singles wrestlers and some tag teams. Peter Maivia was the first to debut in 1962. 
He mainly wrestled for the NWA, winning multiple titles in their promotions throughout the Pacific Coast and Ocean. He was unfortunately diagnosed with cancer in 1981 and passed away a year later. Rocky Johnson was the next to debut in 1964 and didn't retire until 1991. What a stellar career for Rocky Johnson. He's most known for working in the NWA and WWE. He won a lot of championships in the NWA, both in singles and tag team competition, but was only able to win a tag team championship with Tony Atlas during his stance in the WWE. But it was a notable win as Atlas and Johnson were the first ever African-American tag team champions. The crowd went crazy when they won the titles. The next debut took place in the following decade. This was as Afa Anoe debuted in 1971. His brother Sika would debut in 1974 and together they would be known as the Wild Samoans. They are best known for their time in the NWA and the WWF, but they also wrestled for some minor promotions. Trained by Peter Maivia, this tag team went on to win 21 different championships. They, they disbanded in the 90s. But, eventually, it led them to the WWE Hall of Fame. The 80s saw a lot of this family. This was with six more debuts. Samu, in 1980, was the first of them. He had had success in the lesser promotions, but he only shined in tag teams in the bigger ones. Sam Fatu, the Tonga Kid, they were next, debuting in 1983, wrestling for the WWF, WCCW, AWA, and WCW. They had a good career, but not as successful as other members of his family. The next member of the family to make his debut is someone most of us know, Rodney Anoa, better known as Yokozuna. He debuted in 1984 and worked for the AWA before signing with the WWF. There, he went on to have great success, becoming a two-time WWF champion and a two-time tag team champion. He passed away in 2000 due to fluid in his lungs. Next is also a guy we know very well, Salofa Fatu Jr., better known as Rakishi. He debuted in 1985, best known for his time in the WWE, where he won the Intercontinental Championship once and the tag team titles three times. Lloyd Anoa, better known as L.A. Smooth, debuted next in 1987. He had a decent career, but never made it into the big leagues. Gary Albright debuted next in 1988, and as he was married to Monica Noah, which makes him part of the family. He had a decent career in Canada before going to Japan, winning tag team championships in both countries. He died in 2000 just after a match with a heart attack listed as the official cause of death. 1995 was a great year for this family, with three members making their debuts. Matt Anoa was in the WWE for a short time, from 2002 to 2006. And he has had a better career in the independent circuit, where he actually currently still wrestles. Eddie Fatu, better known as Umaga, also debuted in 1985 best known for his time in the WWE. He also had a fair amount of success in other promotions he worked for. He passed away in 2009 after suffering two heart attacks. 
the other member of this family who debuted in 1995 is also the most well-known of them all. You may have heard of him, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Before going to Hollywood to do movies, he spent most of his career in the WWE. He won the Royal Rumble in 2000, two Intercontinental Championships, five tag team titles, and nine world championships. He's also the sixth Triple Crown Champion. You cannot deny that The Rock has laid the legacy for the Inoue slash Mayavilla family for years and decades to come. The last member of the family to debut in the 90s was Afa Inoue Jr., also known as Manu. He debuted in 1998. He had a short stint in the WWE from 06 to 09, but has had more success in the independent circuit. Also, in the 90s, this family gave us two other tag teams, Three Minute Warning and the Samoan Gangsters. Eddie Fatu and Matt Noah formed the Three Minute Warning, maybe best known for their time in the WWE. They didn't win any championships there, but they were five-time tag team champions in lesser promotions. The team was formed in 96 and disbanded in 03. Ellie Smooth and Matt Anoa were the Samoan Gangsters. They mainly worked for their family's promotion. World Extreme Wrestling, WXW, formed in 97. They were only together for a year, disbanding in 98. Reno Anoa debuted in 2002. He's had a short career, mainly working for his family's promotions outside the U.S. He was the first new Wrestling Evolution World Heavyweight Champion. The latest tag team this family has given us is the Usos, who, before joining the WWE, had a stint in the WXW. And the last member of the family to debut has been Joe Anoa, who did it two years ago. He is currently under contract with the WWE in its developmental territory, FCW slash NXT. You cannot deny the success that the lineage of the Anoa Maivia family have had in professional wrestling. From all the way at the top to the High Chief Peter Maivia to Rocky Johnson to the People's Champion the movie star Dwayne The Rock Johnson to the tag teams The Usos 3 Minute Warning spin-offs such as Umaga Yokozuna Rikishi The Wild Samoans the list can go on and on and on. Throw a head shrinker in there. A head shrinker or two, should we say. The Samoan heritage of the Maivia Anoa family will forever be known as the standard bearer in professional wrestling. What great family genes are there? I, I suggest pumping out some more so we have some future generations to come so we can see maybe another potential rock, maybe rock part two, to debut in the decades to come. You cannot deny this Samoan family has laid a mark in professional wrestling. If you smell what I'm cooking. The Funks, Terry and Dory Funk Jr. They were trendsetters. Terry for his hardcore style and Dory for the creation of the Texas Cloverleaf submission hold. They both are legends and were inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. But there's more to this family tree. Their father, Dory Funk Sr., was a wrestler as well. Terry and Dory Jr., sons of Amarillo wrestler and promoter Dory Funk, grew up in the wrestling business in the 1960s under their father's watchful eye. Both were natural athletes and took to the business very quickly. 
1968, Dory won the National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Championship and kept it for an outstanding four-and-a-half-year uninterrupted run. What a run that was. Terry followed him into the business, and by 1975, he too had also picked up the prestigious NWA World title and held it for 14 months. To this day, they are the only brother combination to both win the same World Heavyweight Championship. Both brothers went on to have outstanding careers, both as a team and as individuals all across the world. In 1985, they reunited as a tag team in the WWF, although the pairing didn't last more than a few months before Terry left the company. Dory was well known for his consummate scientific wrestling knowledge and clean-cut style. He was a definite throwback to the old-school days of wrestlers portraying the matches as a legitimate sport. I miss that to this very day. As the 90s dawned, Dory eased into a trainer role and successfully trained many of today's top stars. Dory officially retired on March 1st of 2008. This was after winning a tag team match in Japan. Terry started out as a clean-cut scientific wrestler in his own right, believe it or not. This was before turning into a wild man known for his crazy brawls and hardcore antics. Well before hardcore was even a term in the wrestling industry, or even known in, in the wrestling lexicon, what was hardcore? He tore through the entire country and Japan through the 1980s. By the early 90s, Funk helped out the original Extreme Championship Wrestling promotion and put them on the map as an old-timer willing to help the young stars catch a break. Although Terry has retired numerous times over the past 20-something years, he's still attached, he, he cannot deny, he's still attached to this business, and he's, he, he can say he follows it very closely, you'll still see him on independent shows. I had the luxury, the opportunity, the honor to announce Terry at an independent event. You cannot take wrestling out of Terry Funk. And who can forget his movie roles? Roadhouse, Terry Funk in Roadhouse, what a role that was. Just like the other families we discussed tonight, the Funks also set another standard in the industry. From hardcore to scientific wrestling, the Funks can do it all. The Lawlers. Lawler has been married three times. Should we say, Jerry the King Lawler. He's had two children, Brian and Kevin, from his marriage to his first wife, Kay. His son, Brian who has previously wrestled in the WWE as Brian Christopher and Grandmaster Sexay, is now wrestling in independent promotions. His other son, Kevin, has dabbled in professional wrestling as both a referee and wrestler under the names Kevin Christian and Freddie Gilbert, the latter of which was used during a stint as the brother of Eddie Gilbert. In the King's book, It's Good to Be the King, sometimes Lawler says that he believes Kevin's short physical stature has prevented him from reaching success similar to Brian. In August of 2008, Kevin was arrested on charges of trespassing and aggravated burglary. So even though Kevin did not take off, his other son Brian had some success in the WWE. The height of his career, you could say, was with Too Cool, with Scotty Too Hotty. Grandmaster Sexay had the corny dancing style as they partnered with fellow family alum, which we talked about just before, which we talked about earlier, Rikishi. 
even though it wasn't publicly known before the Too Cool gimmick, the Brian Christopher character will be shouted out by fans with the the charge, the claim, the chant, Jerry's Kid, as the rumors ran rampant that Brian Christopher was indeed Jerry's son. And he had quite, uh, quite a resemblance, you could say. And then you had the cousin of Jerry the King Lawler, the Honky Tonk Man. The two may have had a backstage rivalry between each other, but you cannot deny the success of the Lawler family. We recently had a scare with the health of Jerry the King Lawler and his heart attack, but the King is alive and well. Long live the King! And you cannot deny the Lawler family. You associate the Honky Tonk Man in there right with them as a groundbreaking family. Lawler set a standard in Memphis wrestling, and you cannot deny one of the greatest intercontinental champions of all time the Honky Tonk Man, as producing a great wrestling family. The Grams. They were considered the prototype family team. Dr. Jerry, Eddie, Crazy Luke, and Superstar Billy were, as the kangaroo slogan went, often imitated but never duplicated. Which was the only Gram not to have a son that became a pro wrestler. Superstar Billy Graham. Jerry Graham, which was known as Jerry Matthews, had two sons who wrestled professionally, Jack and Mike. Eddie, also known as Ed Gossett, was dad to Mike Graham, and Crazy Luke, Grady Johnson, had a son who wrestled as, appropriately, Crazy Luke Graham Jr. There was a wrestler in the 80s who also wrestled as Jerry Graham Jr., but he was no relation. The Graham name, if you had the Graham name, you had a legacy in professional wrestling. The Graham set the standard in Florida wrestling, and you cannot deny the impact that the Graham family made on the industry. Most recently, unfortunately, we saw the death of Mike Graham, such a tragic event, but again, like the Von Erich family, and we saw some of the issues with the Hart family, tragedy falls a legendary family. From suicides to tragic events, the Grahams suffered loss as well. But the impact of the Graham family was felt to this very day. From Eddie Graham setting the stage in Florida to Mike Graham behind the scenes in World Championship Wrestling. Some say that Mike Graham wished he had the height and stature of a lot of other big superstars because he had a mind for the business. Mike was known backstage for saying, if I only had your body and combined with my brains. Mike had a great mind for the business and it could have been seen or heard during the Legends Roundtable which were seen on WWE Classics On Demand. Mike will be missed, and so will the rest of the Graham family, and they made an impact in this industry in every way possible. The Rhodes family, if you will. The family tradition of wrestling stars began with the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. This was during the 70s and 80s. To this very day, his two sons are still in the mainstream of professional wrestling. First, there's Dustin better known as Goldust. The second, Cody, who was a member of the Legacy. When it's all said and done, who will have the most impact on the business out of the Rose family? Goldust set the standard for gimmicks and characters in the business, and Cody has unlimited potential. Now, if you ask who had the greatest impact on the business between the group, your initial response, of course, is going to be the Papa, the American Dream, Dusty. You know, as the man who is a bona fide legend. Think to yourself, though, 
blazed trails all over and set the groundwork for what we see today, Dusty was the prototypical legend in this business, or, or is the prototypical legend in this business. The legendary Dusty Rhodes laid the groundwork for his two sons. He paved the way for them to have successful careers in the business, but that can only carry you so far. The sons needed to have talent as well. First son, Dustin, had a limit-pushing character during a limit-pushing era and set the standard for innovation in this industry. Before Goldust, we never, ever had seen something done to this degree. His character and the lengths it went on WWE television were, I think in my opinion, the forerunner of the Attitude Era. One of many, of course, you can add to it. This, after all, was a man painted in gold, running around kissing men and having highly homoerotic promos. This was in 1996. It's Now we're talking 16 years later. And that thing is still seen as sort of taboo, especially to a pro wrestling audience. Truly revolutionary, and one of the first envelope-pushing things the WWE had ever done. Also take into account the looks, natural charisma, and the early push of Dustin in WCW, the prototypical new American dream, the natural Dustin Rhodes, received a stigma in the industry at first as just the boss's son, or the booker's son, or he's just living on the coattails of his father. Dustin proved them all wrong. The Goldust character was able to give him the ability to separate himself from his father and create his own identity. You cannot deny that Dustin has laid a Hall of Fame career as well, just as much as his father, in just different ways. Dusty, a Hall of Famer, and I think Dustin is on his way as well. He recently left the WWE. He recently departed the WWE from an agent role, but you can arguably say he's in the best shape of his life, especially in his career. And now we go over and look at Cody, the natural charisma and the unlimited potential that the dashing one has in this industry. How much potential does he really have? How much can he do in this business? How far will he rise? Could he be even bigger than Papa and Big Brother? When you looked at the team of Legacy, Orton leading two young guys that come from second or third generation families... Cody Rhodes and Teddy DiBiase. Everyone thought Teddy DiBiase was going to be the breakout star. Nevertheless, Cody surprised everybody and turned out to be the bright, shining star of the group. In my opinion, the greatest thing Cody ever has done so far in his, in his career, his very short career so far, was rejuvenate the inter- Intercontinental title by getting rid of the old title and bringing, getting, ra- getting rid of that modern Attitude Era style, and bringing back the old-style classic Intercontinental title. To me, Cody will always be one of my favorite stars just for that very fact. When you compare the two brothers right now, you have to go with Goldust. Granted, Cody has a lot more to live up to, but Goldust paved the way and lived up to the American Dream standards in professional wrestling. But I do agree with many others that say that Cody is the future of this business, tweaking, only needs a little tweaking here and there of his character 
and just an opportunity. And I think we could see a new dream born in professional wrestling. But you cannot deny the Rhodes family and the talent that is seen of this group of gentlemen. They are the standard bearers in professional wrestling from charisma to entering skills to behind-the-scenes contributions. The Rhodes family is professional wrestling. And we wrap up this edition discussing arguably the greatest family ever to exist in professional wrestling, maybe due to its impact and the current landscape of the business. The McMahon family. The founders and owners of the WWE. Roderick James McMahon, Vince's grandfather, founded the Capital Wrestling Corporation. He was a wrestling and boxing promoter, born in 1882 and passed away in 1954. He laid the groundwork for the McMahon legacy. His son, Vincent James McMahon, took over his wrestling promotion, changing its name to Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Changing its name to the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. He dominated professional wrestling in his territory, which was the northeastern portion of the United States. He sold his company to his son in 1982. Two years later, he passed away due to pancreatic cancer. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. He made his grandfather's company into a national promotion first and an international one right after that. They had various name changes, first to the World Wrestling Federation, dropping the wide. Then, after a dispute with the World Wide Fund, or the World Wildlife Fund, for nature, due to having the exact same acronym, the WWF, they had to change the name to World Wrestling Entertainment. And the most recent change was just simply to WWE. This caused the original Attitude Scratch logo to be blurred out of all future programming, which we soon, most recently later learned, has been, you could say, reversed as now the WWF logo, which I'm happy to see is back on redistributed WWE products. His wife Linda worked with him in the WWE from the start until 2009. Much like his son Shane, who worked for the WWE since 1989 until 2010, and even wrestled and won a couple of championships. He won the now-defunct European and Hardcore titles. Once each. Much like her mother and brother, Vince's daughter Stephanie has also worked for the WWE and still continues to do so to this very day. And much like her brother, she also wrestled and is a one-time women's champion. Stephanie's husband, Paul Michael Levesque, better known as Triple H, also works for WWE. He started his career as a professional wrestler in 1989. After spending time in lesser promotions, he was signed by WCW 94, and a year later, he signed with the WWE. He had a lot of success in WWE, winning the King of the Ring, the Royal Rumble, two-time European champion, three-time tag team champion, five-time Intercontinental title holder, and a 13-time world champion. He's also the seventh Triple Crown champion and the second Grand Slam champion. Triple H is a successful figure in WWE to this very day. Okay, 
A lot of you know about the McMahon history. You could say, Sean, that's pretty cut and dry. We know about the history. Well, we're laying the groundwork for the McMahon family. When you look at it in black and white, simple statistics, this is a successful wrestling family. No doubt about it. From the grandfather, the patriarch, to Vince Sr., to Vince Jr., to Shane, Stephanie, and now son-in-law, Paul Levesque, Triple H. There is a legacy with the WWE. Linda branched off on her own more recently as she ran a campaign to run for the U.S. Senate. Shane McMahon also disbanded, owning as he decided to leave the WWE and pursue other business ventures and focus on other organizations and companies in which he owns. The central market, you could say, of his products would be the on-demand content you would see on television programming connected to cable providers, especially overseas products. You cannot deny Shane McMahon is a businessman. He is a successful businessman, and maybe he doesn't share the passion. I don't want to say that because I don't know the guy, but maybe he conflicted with the future advancement of WWE past Vince Jr., as it is seen to this very day, that it's going to be Stephanie and Triple H as the heir apparents to their organization. And Shane would, I think Shane maybe hoped that he would be the one to look at as the go-to guy. Maybe Shane wanted to build his own legacy. But you cannot deny the success Shane has had in the WWE and now outside of the company. Stephanie McMahon, to this very day, plays a major and vital role in the company. First being seen as an on-air personality during the Attitude Era, to the McMahon-Helmsley Era, as she met Triple H during that time, and they actually grew to like one another to the extent that they got married out of the WWE storylines in real life. And Stephanie, to this very day, plays a major vital role as she is the head of creative in the WWE. Of course, the major head of creative is the boss, the chairman, Vince or should we say Vincent Kennedy McMahon, or Mr. McMahon, as everyone knows him and loves him by on WWE programming. You cannot deny the McMahon family as a whole has a headlock on the industry. And that's why we have to wrap up with this family as the patriarchs of professional wrestling. McMahons know how to promote. They know how to expand the business, whether you disagree with their overall entertainment aspect of professional wrestling, their overall vision of where wrestling should be, the fact that they took wrestling out of the name, really, not even going by World Wrestling Entertainment, simply known as WWE, it's occasionally thrown in there, CM Punk loves to throw out professional wrestling, but they simply took away wrestling from the name, I don't want to say simply, to them it seems simply, but to strip the name wrestling out of professional wrestling is tough to do. Nevertheless, the McMahon family is the definition of professional wrestling. I'm a very passionate human being. You know, I don't make uh, an apology for that. And certainly passionate about our business. Very protective and passionate. I just love it. It's not work. It's We're privileged to be in this business. Your granddad was a boxing promoter and wrestling promoter? Right. Your dad, strictly wrestling? No, he did some boxing as well. Mostly wrestling. What did you learn from them? You know, I remember my dad so fondly. He was such a wonderful human being. I quote my dad almost every day, you know, because uh, of the, the simple axioms and that he would have about life, about business in general. Um, and even to the, the new world and the new technologies, 
I think certain basics are true, you know, no matter what. And today, his children are quoting him. Shane and Stephanie, like their parents, are both executives in the business. And because they are McMahons, they don't simply go home after a day at the office. Instead, they don their showbiz hats and step into the ring. It's an unbelievable world. You really grow up with, you know, larger-than-life superheroes. And that's what our WWE superstars are. Uh, I've had the pleasure of growing up with a whole cast of characters my entire life. And anything I could ever do, from taking jackets back when I was like five years old, to ringing the bell at ringside, to helping, you know, carry a turnbuckle, you know, uh, into the ring. Anything I could possibly do, I've always been infatuated and loved the business. Ladies and gentlemen, the most beautiful woman in the entire world, my daughter, Stephanie McMahon. It's the most fun in the world. I mean, being able to interact with that audience, and that's again why the internet is such an attractive component, because it's so interactive. It's the secret of our success. It's the secret of the WWE success, are the fans' interaction with us. And to be able to play off of very vocal audiences across the world is just amazing. You're probably one of the few people in the world who enjoys when you walk into an arena that you're being booed. Yes, I do enjoy being booed, I must admit. Growing up, McMahon certainly had its perks. But when the family is the business and that business involves performing, things can get just a little weird. I mean, it was all mixed into one because I would sit there Saturday mornings and be next to my dad and look at TV, and this has been told me by my mother, and be like, two dadas. One of my greatest stories, and actually one of the things that is intriguing to most women, is the fact that life really imitated art with my husband and I. I'm in real life married to Triple H, who is the ultimate villain, bad guy, evil, cerebral assassin. We were this power couple when we first got together on screen, and we were not dating at all at that time. And we actually got divorced on television and married in real life. I guess the most surreal part is the sort of duality. I've got, uh, you know, Vince in business and dad at home. I've got Linda in business and mom at home. I've got Hunter in business and Paul at home. Shane's just Shane. <laughs> but uh, it really is this sort of unique duality and the fans, I think, sometimes have a hard time with it because we are the McMahon family in actuality, in reality. And yet on camera we play the McMahon family and where do the lines cross and what's that blurred line and what's real and what's not real and I think it's part of the attractiveness of the McMahon storyline. Even Linda McMahon, the CEO who normally holds court with senior staff and Wall Street analysts, can't escape the theatrics. You're fired. I don't for one minute think of myself as an actress. I go in the ring sometimes to have, to have a, a part uh, because it's uh, fun or it's part of the storyline or it's, it's interacting with my family. But uh, I've said in many interviews, I've seen myself on TV as an actress. I'll stick to my day job. <laughs> I told Linda one day that I was, of all the business accomplishments, I said, to me, the proudest I ever was was the night that you were slapped by your daughter in the ring and you actually took what we call a bump she fell down in the ring. It taught her what our performers go through uh, on a nightly basis, you know, just in just a small little way. You know, it's like a body slam. Well, they hurt. Everything that we do basically hurts, but that's okay because we have a passion for what we do. 
and I think sometimes folks think it's all theater. Right. There is no pain. Sure, I know. <laughs> because again, you know, how do you get up after being thrown over the top rope onto the floor? You know, how does a normal human being get up? Citizen McMahon. You're a little late on the sound effect, but go ahead. What's the secret to finding somebody who has that potential to be a superstar? I have to tell you. You have to listen. You have to want to work with, with people. And you have to want to challenge them, even when they don't want to be challenged. Uh, you need to push them as hard as you possibly can, as long as they want to be pushed, uh, in order to find out what they're about, to find out, because many, I think we as human beings don't know what we're really capable of until we're challenged, until we're pushed. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. It's time to thank the sponsors of Beyond the Bell. They help bring this pro wrestling nostalgia podcast to you each and every week. Barbershop Window, the place that makes wrestling t-shirts cool again to wear. They release brand new shirts each and every week and carry the exclusive merchandise for Cliff Compton and the big LG, Luke Gallows. Follow them on Twitter at bshopwindow and go to barbershopwindow.com now to make your wrestling wardrobe cool again. The SNS Radio Network, your home for pro wrestling, mixed martial arts, and video gaming. Get all the latest news and listen to innovative audio released daily. The network is anchored by the two flagship shows, Wrestling News Live and Sunday Night Showdown. Other exclusive shows on the SNS Radio Network are Beyond the Bell, The Whole Indie Show, The Pro Wrestling Rewind, Running the Ropes, The Elite Force Podcast, The Open Book, TNA Chat Live and MMA Now. So go to SNSRadioNetwork.com now. If you're not listening, you're not trying. RingAnnouncing.com, the home of the future of ring announcing, Sean Beckerman. You can watch the latest videos and demo reels of Sean Beckerman on the independent wrestling scene. Go to RingAnnouncing.com and follow the future of ring announcing. Combat Zone Wrestling on DVD. Catch the ultra-violent wrestling promotion on TV or on your computer. You can purchase all CZW ultra-violent events on DVD and stream them live straight on your desktop computer at czwrestling.com. Get ready to get ultra-violent with CZW. The National Wrestling Alliance. Tried, tested, honored, and revered. These three initials have represented wrestling since 1948. From Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes to Adam Pearce and Colt Cabana, the NWA has been the breeding ground for the greatest stars in wrestling. You can catch the NWA nationwide through multiple affiliates from coast to coast. Check out the Talk NWA podcast. NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance. History, tradition, and respect. Go to nwawrestling.org preserving tradition, and blazing new paths. Squared Circle Media, Jerome Willen brings to you a forum for the fans. SquaredCircleMedia.net gives wrestling fans a voice. You can post your opinions and thoughts on what's happening today in the world of wrestling. Join the conversation at Pro Wrestling Ringside on Blogspot. SquaredCircleMedia.net The Jetpack the New York Jets podcast. 
the jetpack is back. Your flight crew, Sean Beckerman and Frank Zintel, bring you the latest news and opinions on the New York Jets football franchise. They recap each game and preview their next opponent with their predictions. All shows are archived at jetpack.libsyn.com. Also, download it straight on iTunes and stream them on Stitcher Radio. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor for Beyond the Bell, send all requests to btbwrestling at gmail.com. Join the Beyond the Bell revolution now. It's go time. We went from season's greetings, wrestling fans, to some season's beatings. Happy holidays, everybody. A quick note. My Twitter account was hacked, not Kurt Angle hacked, actually hacked. So in case you receive some notifications or direct messages from me within the past, I'd say, one to two weeks, just ignore those direct messages. I changed my password, um, notified Twitter, and hopefully it was resolved there. So I apologize if you received any messages from me that didn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, It was hacked officially. Also, those of you who have contacted me regarding downloading and streaming issues with Beyond the Bell... We are addressing those issues. Another new issue that popped up was those trying to stream or download via Google Chrome, the uh, Chrome browser. We are addressing that issue. It's maybe some compatibility with the uh, plugin that we're using at the ringannouncing.com site, so we are addressing as well. So be patient, and thank you, fans, for notifying me if you have issues downloading or streaming Beyond the Bell. There's plenty of avenues for you to download or listen to Beyond the Bell. We have the Stitcher app, TuneIn Radio as well for all smartphones. You can also listen to it at snsradionetwork.com. Also, my official website, ringannouncing.com, and have it automatically downloaded on iTunes. Knock on wood, I haven't heard of any issues downloading it directly from iTunes or automatically on your smartphone or device via the iTunes store. So, That is definitely an avenue for you guys to go for streaming and downloading both shows uh, both ways each and every week at Beyond the Bell. Also, in the coming year, we are looking to adding new avenues and new ways for you to listen to Beyond the Bell to just increase the options you have to listen, to absolutely follow the tagline from the SNS Radio Network. If you're not listening, you're not trying. So stay tuned in 2013, as we'll have more ways for you to listen to Beyond the Bell each and every week. We will also have some additional information on new partnerships and content on YouTube for Beyond the Bell. Connect socially to Beyond the Bell on our Facebook fan page. Follow me on Twitter at Sean Beckerman. Watch and listen to retro wrestling clips and ring announcing footage of me on the independent circuit on YouTube under the username Ring Announcing. Access the Beyond the Bell archives on snsradionetwork.com and my official website, ringannouncing.com. Have all the latest episodes of Beyond the Bell automatically downloaded on your smartphone via iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. As we wrap up 2012 next week, old school fans, we have a big show for you lined up. We carry on the tradition from last year, as we have our annual Best of Show. It's not your prototypical Best of Moment show. You can see or listen to Best of Shows in a million different places, especially on WWE television. So, here at Beyond the Bell, we do things a little different, as we'll look back at the greatest promos of 2012, the greatest mic work from the superstars that entertained us in the year of 2012. Based upon the feedback we received last year, 
the show was very, very well-liked and well-received by you fans. So the fan base wanted it, therefore it's back, and it will now be an annual tradition here at Beyond the Belt, looking back at the greatest promos of the year. One of the very few times that we'll discuss the current wrestling product here on Beyond the Bell. So stay tuned for that next week, fans. Send me your suggestions of what you felt were the greatest promos of 2012. Maybe I missed some. Maybe you'll throw some out there that I will include. So contact me at Sean Beckerman on Twitter, btbwrestling at gmail.com. Send suggestions through Facebook as well. Also, at ringannouncing.com, there is a contact section where you can also give your input and your thoughts on the best promos of 2012. Maybe you guys like the show so much because you heard less of my voice on this specific edition and more of the stars that entertained us this year. Let's go for the three count and wrap it all up with some old school family style music for you wrestling fans. One of the families we discussed tonight were the Guerreros. The Guerrero family is one of the greatest families of all time. And I picked the Guerreros to spotlight for our old school theme because one theme in particular seemed to have transcended generations in the Guerreros. The original theme for Eddie Guerrero was more of a 80s throwback, which people soon forgot about. But it was the second theme that Eddie Guerrero used in WCW, the slow-paced Latin style theme that was used for the LWO as well, and it carried on into the WWE as Chavo Guerrero Jr. used that theme, as well as Chavo Classic, Chavo Guerrero Sr. So it seemed a theme that was meant for a future generational superstar in Eddie Guerrero, in terms of the Guerrero legacy, was used for previous generations, such as Chavo Sr. So I can name three Guerreros right off the bat that use this theme, so what a great way to wrap things up with the second version of Eddie Guerrero's theme in WCW, also known as the LWO theme, the Latino World Order from World Championship Wrestling, and then to the modern day, Chavo Guerrero Jr. and Chavo Classic used this awesome theme. So enjoy this little ditty as we wrap it all up right before the holiday here on Beyond the Bell. Until next week, fans, I'll see you at the matches. 